Welcome to the Amazing Applications Podcast from Microsoft business applications builders who want to create amazing applications that everyone will love. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Benson. My goal on this show is to help you slash your project budgets, reduce your delivery timelines, mitigate technical risks, and create amazing, agile Microsoft Dynamics 365 and Power Platform applications. The question in this episode comes from Michael Nunes. Michael is a Dynamics 365 functional consultant at SA Global from Peterborough in the UK. Alexa, please read Michael's question. Hi Neil, this is Michael Nunes. When multiple systems are being delivered by different parties, I find that we have to design the details up front, then use Agile for the delivery of the Dynamics 365 systems with restrictions based on the design document. Is this your experience too? Thanks for your question, Michael. Your question has actually got a couple of layers in there. There's a layer about scaling about working together with other teams and handling interdependencies between the parties. There's another layer about upfront design using a traditional approach with a design document, then an agile approach for the delivery. You'll find show notes for this episode at customary.com slash 021. The show notes include a transcript from this episode and links to all the resources mentioned. Let's take the upfront design layer first. When building a complex product, especially one in a situation like yours, Michael, there is a tendency to attempt to reduce risk by gathering all the requirements upfront and then designing all the components of a system so that the developers have a clear, unambiguous specification to work from. Years ago, Microsoft's SureStep methodology taught us all to follow this plan-based approach. Start with an analysis phase to capture all the requirements in a functional requirements document. Once the requirements document has been signed off by the users, then in the design phase, design all the features of the systems in the functional design document and the technical design document. Once those two documents are signed off, we can start the development phase. This approach is based on a couple of well, I think are false assumptions, and it leads to some massive drawbacks. Here are some of the assumptions. We know all of the requirements of a complex system up front. Our users, despite never having used Dynamics 365 or a complex power app or a Power BI self-service dashboard, will nonetheless be able to eloquently, unambiguously, and definitively express their requirements. We've got system shall statements and use case and state diagrams. We'll be all right, mate. Secondly, we can design all of the components of a complex system upfront. Our architects are not just gifted technical wizards, but they are mind-reading savants too. They can interpret those requirement specifications and know exactly what the users were thinking when they told the business analyst what they thought they needed. And we can design complex interdependent components on paper and be sure they'll perform exactly as expected. And the third assumption, from the moment we start the analysis to the moment we are live in production, there's going to be no material changes to the requirements, to the design, or to our plan. Everything will work out fine, just as we've planned it, because after all, we've got a Gantt chart. <laughs> you know, those assumptions cause some massive drawbacks. 
All that analysis and design can take months, sometimes more than a year. And at the end of it, all we've got to show is lots of documents. We've created not one single penny of value, and we've got no working software yet. Nothing to show for our trouble. If the project got cancelled tomorrow, we've turned tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, or pounds, Michael, into technical specifications. Secondly, there's no opportunity for improvement. The only time we learn anything is when we sit back at the end of the project and conduct a post-implementation review. Given the lack of success in many of those plan-based projects, this is usually an exercise in trying to pin the blame on the donkey. And thirdly, we try and make it impossible to change our minds. We don't show the users any working software until after the development is complete. Ta-da! Can you test it, please? And if it isn't quite what they want, then they can propose a change request, which we'll use to show them exactly how expensive it is not to get the requirements right in the first place. Am I a fan of upfront requirement specifications and designs? Heck no. Here's an alternative idea. Get your product owner, some users and developers in a workshop. And when I say developers, I'm referring to everyone who might build the application. It could be analysts, architects, developers, and testers. If we have multiple Scrum teams involved, then invite representatives from each team. Have them discuss, investigate, and analyze the problem. Brainstorm a few possible solutions, choose one, and write it up. The design document should be a wiki page, ideally so short that it doesn't need a scroll bar. From there, build a prototype, show it to your product owner, and if she likes it, See what the users think, and keep iterating on that until it's ready to release into production. If it, the prototype doesn't work out, go back to one of your other options and start again with that one. Michael, that's my approach to emergent design. We do it as late as we can in our project, when we're as close as possible to developing that feature. By this time, hopefully our users know a little bit more about our application, and our developers know a lot more about our users. Our users have seen the application. They've participated in designing it. They know what a table is and what a choices field looks like. Unless we've changed the names of those things again. We've done the least amount of design work necessary to build some working software, to test its value, and its fit to the requirements. Instead of spending a lot of effort doing upfront design, I like to refocus that effort on as-built design, documenting how the system actually works so that it can be enhanced, extended, maintained, and supported by teams that come after us. I hope that's given you something to think about for the layer in your question about documenting your design. Now let's address the first layer about scaling teams and handling those interdependencies. Well, I've worked as part of large projects that had multiple teams working on components that fit together to achieve a complex business application, we tended to organize ourselves by technology specialty. There was the Dynamics 365 application team, the Portals team, the Data Migration team, the Azure Services team, and the Legacy Application API team. If the users in the insurance department needed an insurance premium calculation, we'd develop the components in Dynamics 365, sometimes design the portal user interface, call an Azure services, such as a function or a logic app, to call the insurance application's premium calculation API and return the value to Dynamics 365, and would ensure that the legacy data for existing policies was all migrated into that 
entity relationship structure in the Dynamics 365 application. All of this work was done by different teams who had to carefully coordinate their work and struggle through those interdependencies. The Dynamics 365 application team couldn't show a working feature until the Azure team had built the integration services, and they couldn't build their services until the legacy insurance application team had built an API to support premium calculations. We scaled using a scaled Scrum framework called Nexus. In Nexus, we have multiple Scrum teams, each practicing Scrum, just like we know it today, and we have a Nexus integration team. We also have some additional events, the Nexus Sprint Planning, Nexus Daily Scrum, the Nexus Sprint Review, which replaces the Scrum Sprint Review, and the Nexus Sprint Retrospective, and a refinement. We have a new artifact called the Nexus Sprint Backlog that highlights all of the items that have cross-team dependencies. And as I've learned more about applying the Nexus framework to enterprise business applications projects, the one thing I've learned is that my teams could have been much better organized to reduce those cross-team dependencies. Instead of organizing our teams by technology specialty, it would have significantly reduced those cross-team dependencies if we'd organized our Scrum teams so that they each had developers specializing in Dynamics, Portals, Azure, the legacy application, and data migration in each Scrum team. This would have made each Scrum team more cross-functional and less dependent on other teams. If you're interested in finding out how to organize your teams in a large-scale project, I can recommend a book called The Nexus Framework for Scaling Scrum by Kurt Bittner, Patricia Kong, and Dave West. I'll include a link to it in the show notes, which you can find at customary.com slash 021. I hope that helps answer your question, Michael. Thanks very much for sending it in. Try and avoid upfront design and organizing your teams by technology specialty, and you'll be able to deliver a lot more value faster with a scaled approach to building your business applications. That's it for another episode of Amazing Applications. And that's a wrap on this Q&A season for the podcast. Thanks to everyone who submitted a question. Neil Carty asked about product owners in Dynamics 365. Mark Llewellyn asked, how can we be sure we've captured all the requirements? Anand Kushalnagar asked how we can adopt Scrum for Business Central projects. David Mockery asked if we should have a standard set of user stories for Dynamics 365 applications. Powell Bruce asked why should we have a Scrum Master when we could have an Agile Project Manager instead. Matt Venemore asked how we can handle data migration on Agile Business Applications projects. Stephen Price asked how we manage scope creep in Agile projects. We covered the six roles that every enterprise business applications project should have, which was a question asked by one of my Microsoft partner coaching clients. Andreas Dutz asked if Microsoft business applications teams should all follow the manifesto for agile software development. Dan Madden asked how to bridge the gap between business and IT in agile projects. Daniel Kerridge asked how to adopt Scrum on Power Platform projects with just one developer. And thanks to Michael Nunez, who asked whether we should design components up front when we've got multiple teams involved in our business applications projects. Thanks to you all for asking your questions. And I hope that they and you found those episodes thought-provoking and useful. If you did, please do me a favor and share your favorite episode on LinkedIn. You'll find them all listed 
under the Amazing Applications company page. You can leave a comment and leave a reaction and get involved. If you'd like to have your question answered in the next Q&A season of the Amazing Applications show, please visit customary.com and click on the Send Voicemail button. Remember to include your name, your role, where you're from, and your question. And click Submit when you're happy with it, and we'll weave your question into a future show. Until then, keep sprinting.